0: Hi, my name is Sarah, and I'm Anxious AF. Welcome back to the podcast. In this episode, I speak with author and radio host, Frederick Beattie. This is not a lighthearted conversation. Due to the subject matter, this episode may not be suitable for all listeners. and may contain words that trigger strong or heightened emotions. In 2015... Frederick received the call that no parent, but especially parents of children of color, ever want to have to answer. That his son, Kawanza, was murdered by law enforcement. In today's chat, Frederick opens up about losing a child, his stages of that grief, and the real life anxiety and fear of being black in America. We also talk about the state of our government and the increase in overt racism in the United States. Finally, we talk through how people can take action and drive sustained, tangible change for equality for black and brown people. This is a powerful conversation and one that I will never forget. Here's my conversation with Frederick Beatty. Just wanted to start talking about this podcast about anxiety. So, figured, you know we have stuff to talk about these days oh hell yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so tell me about yourself i don't really know too much and just kind of no what's time. going on for you with anxiety
1: cool so well first and foremost i well for those, for those who don't know me um for those who are just meeting me on the first time on, on your pod on your podcast my name is F.L.B.D. i am an author i am a blogger i am a um Radio show host. Um, I am a well, um, there's a lot, there's a lot of things to me, so I'll I, right now I'll, I'll leave it at the part at the author, blogger, radio show host.
0: So, when you so for anxiety for you, what comes to mind at the moment?
1: Wow, um, Jesus, so many things at this point. Um, anxiety with the state of the uh, the election the state of our this country um mostly also the state of just how things are with you know with with black and brown people i mean um i know for me personally i have i've i've lost a child to the police violence and stuff like that and every time i see something like this happen it just raises it just raises my anxiety to a whole nother level, a higher level than I've ever thought than a higher level than I would have been at before. Just when I, just when I thought that, um, <laughs> just when I thought it couldn't get any worse and, and some here's something, hear another, hear another thing to just throw my throat, throw that anxiety level into back into high gear again.
0: So talk about losing, losing someone to that whole situation and, and, what happened
1: and what it's been like for you so let's see i guess to begin at the i guess to begin at the beginning um and i really haven't told this to to a lot of people because i didn't at one point i didn't think it was relevant but i I, but i believe it's relevant now so um july 4th of 2015 we had said we had kind of me and my spouse had planned to we were gonna we were gonna we were gonna celebrate Fourth of July like we always did with you know barbecues, drinks, and we invite some people from our mini- from the ministry that I was attending, I was a member of at the time. To, you know, have people come over and just you know and celebrate with it. I am on my way to Walmart. I'm on my way to Walmart to pick up some things such as some charcoal, a um, brand new barbecue grill, and things of that nature. Um, as I'm as I'm as I'm as I'm picking, as I'm grabbing the, I'm grabbing the charcoal, and I put it on, and I, I put it on my shoulder. I get a phone call from my son's grandmother. She calls and she tells me that my oldest son was shot and killed by a police officer. Now, normally, it's, normally things like that don't register right away, but this registered with me instantly. So for the span of about thirty, I would say thirty seconds. For maybe 45 seconds the world the world as i know it the world as i know it and i seen it froze you know transfixed in this day just seeing everybody just stand still and and here i am with all these strong emotions beginning to come up so all of a sudden things just revert back to normal speed and Grandmother was talking to me about the deep, some, the sparse details that she knew. And, you know, at that, at at that point, I was, I wasn't even aware that I had dropped the bag of charcoal at that point. So I, I grabbed all the things that we, that I need for, to conduct what we do, conduct what we're going to conduct. I, I made a phone call to my spouse, let her know what happened. Um. The other thing is, like, the other thing was, um, I went to the register to pay for everything. Uh, my best friend, my best female friend had called me just to make sure I was okay. And I get in the car to try to, to try to leave. And my hands were shaking so badly that I couldn't rip the wheel. And I had to say, I had to, I had to sit, I had to sit in the parking lot for a moment till I got stable enough. So I felt stable and stable enough to drive without my hand shaking. Um it was just a it's a short jump to the Walmart to our house. So it's so it's less so it's, so it's less than so it's less than five miles. But it t- it took me it took me a half it took me a half hour to get home. Because I kept pulling over in the emergency lane because my hands were shaking so bad. And by the time I got home, I felt I felt like I, I felt like I was gonna shake. I felt like I was gonna shake the whole earth down because it re- it kind of it really got my my hands start shaking really really bad. Um, my my spouse had already told, you know, the kids at the time, and you know if, there was an emotional moment, um, a very emotional moment for them, uh, for my spouse, uh, you know, my spouse. Um, I kept getting phone call after phone call, one from a detective, another one from my son's mother again, from my son's mother, not, not his grandmother, and then a couple of other calls from other people. Um, my wife, my, my spouse has said, you know, maybe we should postpone the little barbecue thing. I said, and I told her, no. Uh, we're going to, we're still going to do that because it's going to give us that time to process things and then and, and then on top of that we're gonna be around other people. So that way it, it gives us a, a chance to kind of a way to kind of be distracted a tad bit from from the from the seriousness of the situation. You know, so we did have we still held the of the event. Um I kept getting phone call after phone call, so I really couldn't enjoy the event. Um and then, you know, other, other, I got kept getting other phone calls. One again from the same detective that called me prior, pre that morning, you know, trying to ask me, asking me questions about, you know, did my son have, did my, did my son, was my son involved in any type of criminal activity? Did he, did, and I'm like, dude, bro, bro, why are you asking me these questions? My son has a, my son has a criminal record in Georgia, but that's it. So what is, what, what relevance does that have with him being shot? You know, then I guess he tried to correlate that and you now i in for the lack of a better word, and excuse my French, I thought that I thought what he said to me was a bunch of was a was a bunch of bullshit, but that for me for me that was neither here or not there. Um fast forward fast for two weeks. Um that four two weeks leading up to me traveling to Virginia to, to finally, you know, see myself son the rest. Um my father was going to go with my father was going to go with us, but he had suffered a mild heart attack, and I thought that it was because of what I told him. And I told him his oldest grandson had passed, and that kind of raised my level my my stress and anxiety level to to I won't say an all time high, but high enough to the point that I was extremely concerned and wanted to go there, go down, go go down to Georgia immediately to see how he was. Um, my stepmother told me that he was fine and that she was taking good care of him. So that that eased that eased ease my mind a bit, and I felt a lot better about, you know, kind of holding off and going down and doing what I had to do. Fast forward, the day I get there, the day I get arrived to Virginia to, you know, speak you know speak to people, talk to people, talk to his grandmother, talk to his mom, his aunts, and everything like that. My, my anxiety level is at an all time high because it had been so long since I had been around these people. The last time I saw, the last time I saw these people was in 1993. That was the day, that was the day I, that was the day I, that was the day I was separated, I separated out of the Navy. So that was the last time I physically saw these people. So I had no idea, so I had no idea how they were going to react or how they were going to even received me at that point the first person that greeted me was his aunt his auntie Vani and she and she pulled me to the side before she you know presented me in front of everybody she and she reassured me that everything was fine and I had nothing to worry about she uh, she told me that you know that her and her sister Satasha were were supportive of me and they, and they were the ones that wanted that wanted me to be here because his mother his mother definitely didn't want me there didn't want me there. But, you know, her and Shatasha had vouched for me and said, that's his father. That is his father. He deserves to be here. And that that brought my anxiety level down a tad bit, not a whole lot. My mother-in-law and my brother-in-law and his my, and my sister-in-law, they came down and they gave me, so they gave me so much moral and emotional support. Like, you know, I, I still thank them to this day for, for them doing that. It's, it's, it was crazy because you know the okay. whole time I was I was there. My anxiety my anxiety level kept come kept rising and falling up until the up until the day that you know up until the day that the the two the last two days the day that we, the day of his wake and the day that we that we committed him back to the earth again nervous very anxious. I had no idea what to expect. I had no idea what I was walking what I was walking into. It's a crazy thing to see the last the last image of that you'll ever see of your child your child the very last image of your child in a casket you know at his you know in in one of in one of his his or her final resting places. It was a very surreal moment um for me um one that was very much seared into my memory. Um and, you know, then up to the <laughs> up to the point of, you know, when they had to serve when they had the service the following day. At that point at that point again my anxiety level was at an all time high. But however I was just I was just oblivious to a lot of the things that, you know, kinda of the 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 service with yeah. the home going service was Pretty much a blur to me. I I don't even think I heard. I don't think I even heard much of it, or even or any of it, so that for that matter. You know, um, we finally went to his final resting place. You know, and that's when the finality, the finality of all of this, just kind of just kind of hit me, and that's when, you know, then it was it was like, it was like, it was a crazy experience. Um, and i just I'll say this. Um, I know that most people say that a parent that a that a parent is not supposed to bury their child. It's supposed to be the opposite way around. For me that was a very, very harsh reality that I had to that I had to face. And the finality of it just really just brought it home. Like You know, this is this is this is it. This is where he this is where he's gonna be. This is where he's his physical body lays. But I know his spiritual body is, you know, with the Most High. But it still doesn't still doesn't give me comfort. It doesn't give me any comfort with that, because of simple fact. I still because of simple fact, even five years even five years later, I still wish he was here. Now again, fast forward fast forward about a year. Well I want say I say fast forward to January January 26th to be exact. I have, a, I, have, a, I, have a, I have a beautiful granddaughter. That is the one that to me that is the one thing that and I look at it I, I compare it to a Phoenix rising from the ashes. It is the one beautiful the one beautiful thing that rose out of a tragic situation. and that little girl is my world. She she she's beautiful. She's beautiful. She's intelligent. She's she's very observant of people, and that's kind that's kind of where my anxiety level pops shoots up again because I I want so much to protect her from all of the all of the nastiness that goes on in this world that goes on around us, and unfortunately she. She's gonna be she's going be exposed to all that. You know. I, it, I always I always ask the most how to just to keep her protected. And, you know, if if she has to be exposed to some of this nastiness, you know, please make that exposure as little as possible. And then, you know, kind of just to kind of finish everything off, finish this off is like so fast. So now we fast forward a month later. So February 20, February 26th. Um, the Commonwealth's Attorney, who is what they consider—they call this, you know, or the DA, what they call in Virginia. So they, so they completed their investigation. They, they, they stated that the officer that shot my son was justified in, sh- in shooting him. So, yeah, so there's another, there's, there's another blow to something that I thought was so there was more there was. I figured that was more clear cut than anything. However, apparently, something, apparently they, whatever facts they had in front of them said otherwise. And what I, what the, what the medical examiner in the court told me something completely different. And my son's called a death, but they, the, the, the medical examiner ruled it a homicide. And I can, and, and I can understand why, why he would rule, why he, he or she would rule it that. So, to bring context to it is that there were three shots fired one of those shots one of those bullets hit my son in the back of his head just above just above just above his left ear and the bullet lodged in his right temple most people will say well that's that's what happened no 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 no, no. first of all first of all i'm former military first of all i've also done close protection detail in most cases we don't, we don't, we don't go for hits. We don't try to, we don't go for the headshot. We go for it. So we do, we usually, if we have to engage like that, it's usually a center man shot. Girlfriend, I, I just, told, I just, I thought out you know, the person that was following the case had contacted me and told me what it was. And, you know, I, I really didn't have much, I really didn't have anything to say about that because I thought it was a bunch, I thought it was a bunch of crap. Fast forward several years later, and I won't say several years later, but several incidents later. So now we, now you have, Incidents such as George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, um, Atiana, Atiana Jefferson, Rayshard Brooks, Drayshawn Reed, and the list could go on and, on and on. And now this throws my. And every time I see it, every time I hear about or I read about an incident like this, it my anxiety goes from from zero to about to about 150 right then and there, right off the top. Because even without any facts present, it's still it still presents that in that way. To to read about you know the Kentucky you know DA said that you know that the grand jury that they didn't the officers weren't responsible for Brianna's death and things of that nature that kind that of, I I thought that was a crock but then again you know people look at things either object objectively or subjectively you know and every time I hear something it's it really just kind of just puts me in that mode, puts me in the same mode that I was five years ago. Frozen, everything everything kind of just, either things move in slow motion around me or things just stop and I'm the only one that's in motion. So it's been, it's kind of been a crazy ordeal for like maybe the last five years, but that's kind of sort of where I am at this point, you know, I. I do, I do, you know, because because I do, because I write, I mostly write about things that pertain to that, um, you know, I also write about things that pertain to other situations that we as human beings go through on a daily. I want to, I won't even say on a daily basis, but subject, but things that should be talked about. So for me, that's that's been my that's been my pen writing's been my panacea.
0: Well, first, I want to say thank you for opening up and sharing that. What are the things that you've been writing now? What are the things that have been important to you, especially with where we're at now? Uh,
1: mostly just, mostly just Facebook posts. You know, most, most of the time, because I'm a contributor, I'm a contributor to um, a magazine's Facebook page, so I mostly write about things like that. Um, and it's usually just, usually just a short post, and it's just basically just my thoughts on how I feel about a particular situation. It's not individualized toward a toward a particular incident. It's everything as a whole i'm actually speaking with an individual right now she her name she her son you know lived in newport new virginia he died during a police shooting and no, in his case didn't get national attention so i'm speaking with her to try to encourage her to talk about her case talk about her son's case and bring that to bring that forward and bring that to light so i'm literally working with her to do that um so those are the things that I do that I try to, you know, first of all it gets a it's something that gives me a release. And then it also helps me put things in put things put things in, in a better perspective um about how the how these things happen and why and why they do happen. But it also puts me in a puts me in a mind in a in a mindset as me more now than okay. now more than ever being an being an advocate. Not just for not just for social justice issues, but you know, the other thing that, you know, that makes me anxious is, you know, domestic violence, and that's, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a very strong advocate for that. Not only because, because because I've because I live because I've lived both sides of that coin. I've been abused, and I've and I was a, an abuser. So something when I hear about those types of stories, it again, that and then something about the domestic violence. Those two things drive my anxiety level to like astronomical levels, and. You know to be to advocate for both of those things is something that bring that brings me first of all they're they're my panacea and then to write about them though it's extremely cathartic for me
0: and i saw that you um are starting a podcast i believe as well to talk about yeah, yeah. issues like this too so if you want to talk about that
1: yeah oh yeah so so actually, I am the I'm the I'm actually the owner and the uh, the owner and operator of um, Trailblazer Radio. So it is a it is a new radio station that is starting up on um, Block Talk Radio. So first and foremost, my show primarily interviews authors. Uh, so I'm talking to authors of all literary genres and things of that nature. Um, my co-host show talks about uh, domestic violence and business, and then I have another show that's going to be talking more about you know social justice and political type political awareness. So. So I said, so I so I want to make sure not only am I going to entertain people, but I also want to educate and I want to edify people and give them that opportunity to be able to, you know, come on come on the airwaves and be and be transparent with their stories and talk about their stories. So that way, you know, it allows them to get a release, but it also allows us as you know as radio as, as you know as well as being a radio show host, we can, it also gives us a chance to you know present present possible solutions.
0: So with all the work that you're doing and the and how it's sort of helping you also process everything that you've been through where do you think we're going as a country and where do you think we're like what What are your thoughts on sort of the election and the future and of of, of this country and and where we stand with you know even race relations and yeah, all that it's loaded
1: <laughs> you know what and uh, you know as someone who is you know, as an African American, obviously, <laughs> I am, I'm, I'm beyond I'm, I'm, to put it, to put it mildly, I'm, I'm, I'm very concerned. Simply, 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 simple fact is because we have, we actually have, we have a sitting, we actually have a sitting president that that doesn't necessarily care about those types of relations, you know, between. Between black and brown folks, and then and everyone else. So I'm really concerned. I mean, it's and I and for me, for me personally, I hold no malice against anybody because I can pretty much get along with anybody. I have no problem. I have no problem with that. It's just that the way things are the way things are presented to to people. And to be honest with you, you know. Like I we have a sitting president who is in, who is in, who is in, in, who's enabled those people who have been so much in the closet for so long. Now they, now they, you, they come out of the woodwork and now everything is.
0: Yeah, enabled racists in the closet. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. that's on and now everything is, for lack of a better term, and now everything is batshit crazy. And I li- I live in the South. So, and, and I live in Georgia. So. You see those you clas- see these closeted folks that are more overt with what they what they do all the time. You know, you see the you see the truck with the confederate the Confederate flags and all this other stuff. And, you know, people look at it like, well, it's offensive and things of that nature. I'm like, and, and the way and the way I look at it is like, hey, it's offensive, yeah. But I mean, it's also a free country people have the right to express themselves, you know. One thing that is the, it's the reason that I, that I actually serve and it's the reason why I raise my right hand, you know, to do that, to give people the right to do that. However, I look at it as there's, there's also a form of decorum when doing that. And if, if, that's your, if that's your viewpoint, that's your viewpoint. Yeah, what your viewpoint is, just don't push your viewpoint on me because that's not, that's not how I look at it. That's not how I look at things. You know, people, you know, and then everybody says, well, you know, well, <laughs> I've heard this on more than one occasion now. You know, well, it is what it is. No, it's not. It's not. It ain't what it ain't. This is not how it's supposed to be.
0: It's also like race isn't a viewpoint.
1: Well, you know, the funny part about it is folks make it a viewpoint because they come right back to that. And they say, well, it's not about you being black or it's not about me being white. Well, then what is it, what is it about, brother? If you're treating me a different way than how you would treat a normal, another human being, then what is it? Not, if, if it ain't about black and ain't about white, then why are you treating me differently than another person? And then they always come back, well, it's not like that. Come on, man. Let's just call it what the hell it is and put it on the table. And then let's talk about how we can reduce or eliminate that altogether. But, you know, people... And then people always say that, you know, that... <laughs> and they always say, Well, I was, well, I wasn't... I wasn't born like this. Of course, you weren't born like that. It's learned behavior. You weren't born that way. Someone taught you to be that way. Somebody, somebody told you in the back of your mind. Somebody told you and conditioned this in your mind that that anybody that's out that's not that's outside of your race is inferior to you, and you have carte blanche to treat them however you want because that because that's the thought process. That's the thought process that's been ingrained in your mind or burned into your burn into your memory forever. And for and I think for a lot of people, it's a very uncomfortable subject to talk about because they don't want to talk about it they don't and it's the and it's the funny part about it it's the elephant in the room
0: oh always but i think too it's a lot of what's being said and what's true is that it's also not on someone that and advises black or african-american to teach us white folk how to not be racist (laughs) you know what i mean like yeah i do i want to i want to have these conversations you know and more people should have these conversations because but there's also people that are just like well there's just a lot of screaming. There's a lot of yelling. There's a lot of like, again, I'm feeling very pessimistic in what's happening right now. Oh yeah, Most definitely. oh yeah, <laughs> you oh, know. Yeah. And I'm just like, and like you said, with this president enabling the racists and enabling white supremacy and just like being outward about it, this is just going to keep going. And that's where my anxiety is. And I also All like right. it's such a it's such a strange place to be in.
1: It is. And again, it's, it's one thing that's important, like you mentioned earlier. There's a lot of screaming, there's a lot of yelling, and there's there's no there's no headway being made. And of course, again, we 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 but we both acknowledge, we both acknowledge and realize that that's the elephant in the room. The one thing I think that needs to be done is that you know we have a civil conversation about it. You know, I always say that you don't have to be the loudest person in the room to be heard. You can be the most soft spoken person in the room, and you can and you can still and you can make your voice heard. So you don't have to be the loudest to be heard. And it starts with that part of it. You know. So one person saying, hey, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this at length. Let's put it on the table. However, it's going to take more than that. We need those allies to speak up, to say, hey, look, I see what's going on and it's not cool. So I'm going to speak up about it. And it doesn't matter, doesn't matter what it doesn't matter what it looks like to other people, but I'm going to but I'm going to speak up about it and make it known. You know, the more, the more people, the more the more of our allies that come up that come aboard. And you know, and, and everybody's on the same page, and they everybody speaking the same message. I think I think that the message will be heard, but until but until that happens, it's just it's just a lot of talk, and then it's a lot of crosstalk and there's no real communication that's 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 occurring. It's just one person yelling to get a point across, another person yelling to get a point across, and there's no and there's no real headway being made.
0: Or just like even in social media now too, because you can totally tailor what you're seeing. Even with Corona, just there's a couple global pandemics (laughs) happening these days. If no one is even willing to, not no one, but people aren't willing to open up fully because they're like, I'm in this bubble. And I'm gonna be honest, I feel like I'm not, I'm not watching Fox News. I don't want to hear that shit.
1: And then even, and then even with, and then even with me, even more so. You know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to watch CNN. I don't want to watch MSNBC because it's there is rehashing the same shit. You know, I think for anybody that's one that's seeking that's one to seek that's seek that's seeking the truth, you know, you you can there' are sources that you can use to find a seat to disseminate stuff like that. You know, we both agree that, you know, sometimes listening to those things throw it kind of throws off where truth is.
0: Yeah, who, it's like how yeah. do you have to You spend so much time trying to figure out who you can trust if you even go to the media and then how do you get your news and where do you go to? Because yeah. literally you just have to question literally everything. and Even just the questioning of everything is so exhausting, but you have to do it, especially now.
1: Question everything. That's my motto. Question everything. Because underneath, underneath, all, the, underneath all the bullshit or even on top of all the bullshit, well, mostly underneath all the bullshit, there's truth. And that, and that is what's relevant in this day and time, you know, because there is a, there is a lack of truth. There is a lack of something being told in its truest form. You know, people can, people can, you know, people can sell lies all they want. You know, even in a lie, there's truth. It's just, you just have to dig you're just going to have to dig through layers to get to it. You're going to have to, you're going to have to get dirty for it. And I like, and I, and I saw, and I saw, I saw the Facebook post that you had put out there. I actually commend you on do on wanting to tackle issues like this because it t- you, you it, ha- it takes a bold person to want to stand to say I want to jump on all these issues I want to tackle all these issues because there needs to be some solutions here. I'm gonna tell you this: keep talking, keep Thank talking you. because because guess what? Eventually, folks gonna get sick and tired of hearing it and they gonna want to put action to it. So the, so the more so the more you talk about it, the more and more and more it pushes people to action. Uh, these conversations have to happen these conversations need to happen see they' they're, these are probably going to be the more uh, most uncomfortable conversations that we as humans are ever going to have and they have to happen because if they don't happen then we' you know we're we're just gonna be going in the same direction that we've been going over for the last for for damn near the last four years when we were, when the more the more we regress the more the more things that we're gonna be bereft of you know you focus on, not, not even two weeks ago, and they mentioned to they saw, they told me, you know, well, you're, well, you're free. You have the same, you have the same freedoms that we do. I said, no, we don't. If I, if I, if we did the same thing, we committed the same crime, I would get, I would get more time than you would. He said, well, then I guess he wanted to say, well, that's not, that's not true. I guess it is. Justicism is disproportionately unfair to black, black, vote, black and brown people. Then it's a then it's a life that, That's not fiction. That's categorically true. You know, I said, and but but he asked me, well, why is that? I said, think about it, son. Think about it, brother. And this is somebody that I res, this is someone this is a gentleman that I respect that I that I highly respect. Still respecting to this day. You know, we and we and we had that uncomfortable conversation. And the the one question he asked that that when I saw your Facebook post that kind of when I read into the post it, when I read into your post. It asked that question. It's asked the same question. So he asked the question more, more overtly. Well, how can I help? Well, first of all, you, you helped already by understanding and engaging in a com- an uncomfortable conversation. So now that you know these things, you're out there to people, you get out there to your, to your, to your peers, the people that you know, the people that you, people that you know are, are either like that or not like that. I think that the first step in moving forward in any situation whether it's a whether it's a disagreement with with your spouse or disagreement with a child or disagreement with a brother or sister or any type of disagreement with with an individual there has to be there has to be a form of understanding first you have to you have to understand that okay well this is what it is and now that i put it out there what what are we going to do about it if you can tell that person what your grievance is or what your concern is or what your complaint is about. And they understand that and they can and they can respond with with empathy or they can respond with not necessarily sympathy because because I, I tell folks all the time, I don't I don't want sympathy. I don't I I don't need that. I've I've, I've had enough of that to last me several lifetimes. What I need now is, what I need now as a person who's lost a child is empathy. You know, I don't, I don't want you to feel sorry for me. I'm in a good space emotionally right now. What I need is the uh, what I need is the, uh, the other the other path, the other path. I need the the empathy. See, so now I need you to understand what, what I feel and feel what I feel. So now when you feel that you can now you can take an action behind now, you can take an action behind it. With empathy comes understanding, and then with understanding comes action. And then with action comes change. But you have to see you have to start at the understanding part of it first before you can even get to the action part of it.
0: And you have and to go past it.
1: Yeah, and a lot but see, but a lot of people skip a lot of people skip the understanding part of it and want to go directly to the acting part of it, and that's not how that's not how it works.
0: My issue, though, or I think a lot of the issue that I'm seeing or that I'm also experiencing too, I can't lie that I'm not that we we're at the we, there's people that are at the understanding point, and then you sit in a guilt place and you stay in the guilt place, and
1: right.
0: that's what I think is what a lot of people are stuck on is. They feel guilty, and they're like, "But well, what can I do?" And then they just they find out, and then the emotions aren't happening. You know what I mean? So I think there's a, a step right. in the middle there that yeah. to do is a guilt is it can be a useful emotion if you use it to yeah. propel it forward. Yeah.
1: yeah, and a lot of people, and that's the that's the process that of uh, you know the friend my, the person I was talking to was feeling. He said, "Well, I feel guilty about that." And, well, there's no need for you to feel that way. You're not you're not the one that perpetuated it. I mean, I, I, and I, and if you want to feel, if you want to feel guilty about, you know, about, how, about the things that I've been through or the things that I've, that I've experienced, that's okay. And I, and I understand if you feel that way. However, don't, st- don't stay in that particular place for very long. Because again, if you do, if you stay in that guilty place, then now, now the other, now the other parts of the process don't happen, you know, because people can feel guilty, but not still can't feel empathy. And to me, neither one of those are synonymous in any way, in any way, shape or form, because, and I know some people will try to put guilt and empathy in the same, in the same boat. They don't belong in the same boat. They're two different, they're two different things. But, and when they, when people say, well, I feel guilty. Well, okay. I understand that. But what, but what do you, what well, now? But now that you feel this way, what are you going to do about that emotion now moving forward? So, okay, you feel guilty, then, you know, and I think, would get i think the other the other step even before empathy i think there has to and and you may see you brought up up another good point with me now there has to be the acceptance part of it okay you're guilty about what happened or you're guilty about what happened to me you know or you're guilty about something so how about how about accept how about accept that and now move to the next stage the next stage that's that's and i think that's the disconnect you know guilt you you have to be able to accept what accept what happened you know even though you're even though you're not you weren't categorically a part of it or you had anything to do with it it's you know and i think the guilt i think the guilt and the empathy part they kind they kind of those those are two those two kind of have that 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 same type of synergy because now with the guilt here comes the empathy part of it and now when and you put those two together now you have to come to the acceptance part now that you accept what happened now let's talk about actionable stuff now let's talk about actions that we can take to to change the narrative to to speak on things in a much more positive light like, I think and I think the one thing that I've always said and I've said this to you know my 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 own kids you know you you can't you you don't you don't change, you don't change you don't change, a, you don't change a narrative by you don't change the narrative you change the narrative by speaking your voice however if you want to truly change the narrative not only do you speak your voice you put action behind it in a, in a narrative, we, are these narratives that, that you mentioned that you mentioned and that we're, that we're currently talking about today, or have these narratives are as old as time itself? They've been, they've been, they've been, they've been around forever. They, they, literally, they literally, these narratives have literally been the foundation, been the foundation of this particular, this particular nation. That when, when, do know, when those, when those narratives change, that's when true change occurs. And and it, and first and foremost, it, and, and and everybody says it, it's supposed to start supposed to start with the top people. No, Start from the start from the bottom. Start from the bottom up. That means people. That means people like you and me. We we talk. We continue to talk about it. We continue to talk about it. We reach people. You know, you reach people with with your with your message. I reach people with people with my message. We're both on. We're both messengers of the same of the same thing. And those people reach more people Then, Now, now that, now there's a movement. Now it gradually goes up, comes up and goes up. Now it gets to, you know, state level. Then it comes to the federal level. Then, and now, now the, now these actual politicians, quote unquote, are actually doing their job. What we, what we elected, what we elected, what we originally elected them to do in the first damn place. And that is to be, be fair, be just, be equitable. You stop thinking. Stop thinking about an agenda. Stop thinking about party because it's not. Because it ain't. Because really, honestly speaking, it ain't about parties because each one of these parties is, has a has a certain demographic to it, and they all they and really it's all they they are. They, both these parties want the same want the same damn thing. It's just different. Just different ways of trying. Different ways of trying to go about doing it. But yeah. then again, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, a po- politicians are not necessarily. What I call clean creatures, just an opinion, <laughs> just an
0: opinion, <laughs> just an opinion. I mean, you're not wrong.
1: I think. I think when people understand that change actually will will occur. However, until it starts at the ground level, meaning common folks like you and I, and I, you know, we we all spread, we both spread our message. It reaches those people who we inspire to change, and then those people will inspire other people to change. That's supposed to be the true nature of government. It's supposed to serve. Us us, 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 common folks. Because we're the ones busting our asses to do what we got to do, and we're, we're the ones that elected yo, know, that elected them to be in these places of power. But then again, here comes in, here comes the kicker with that: absolute power corrupts absolutely. That way, that, way, that, way, that, could probably, that could be a conversation for another
0: time. <laughs> <laughs> and I usually end the show with asking uh, who I'm speaking with for advice they want to leave the people with. And I think we've definitely hit on it. But to sum it up, um, one of the things you mentioned was to the levels in which you should kind of process everything from understanding and empathy, and processing guilt to action, uh, acceptance actually between uh, yep. between that um, and also having conversations and opening up dialogue and not being afraid and just going for it. And just the more that we make those changes, like you said, with us common folk, the more that it could impact change in a bigger
1: well, way. The way I look at it, it's the same process that, you know, my, cause I, had, cause I saw I saw a mental health professional because I was dealing, had a hard time dealing with things. And that's it's the same, pretty much just the same process that he told me to do to, to, to break it down and analyze it. Once, once I broke it down and, and looked at it and got rid of the guilty part of it and accepted it, you know, now I go, now I go from the sympathy part of it because the guilt and because the guilt part is that's when folks are asking for the that's when you ask for the sympathy part. And when I've accepted it, you take away the sympathy part. Now you ask, now you get, now you just want the empathy, man. You want people to just, you know, understand, kind of understand and you know, kind of empathize with you and. Kind of just say well, but I feel I feel that strongly in my heart, and then it goes to the other part. Of it. So it's the same. So it's the same process.
0: Is there anything else that you want to leave people with? Any last parting words?
1: You know what? One thing that I was told, and this is something this was in my military days, and it still falls it still falls true for me to this day. True strength is not physical strength. It is emotional and mental strength, and those things are forged in the most stressful situations. When you, when you understand how emotionally and mentally strong you are, you have a better chance of manifesting the type of things that you want to have done. Physical strength is good because it'll get you out of a lot of situations, but having emotional and mental strength will get you out of pretty much, Well, I won't say get you out, but it'll carry you through any type of situation. And having someone that can understand that will go a long way in how we view the world and how we process things in our world.
0: And I just want to thank you for being open and honest and having this conversation and, you know, just telling your story. And I also want to know your son's name because it also, it didn't get national attention. And I think I don't have a national platform, but you know, the more people that know who your son was, you know, and the more that they show that you loved him and that he was a life that was taken by police and that shouldn't, it's still happening, and right. more right. human, so, you know. So yeah, you know. you just want to tell us his name. And
1: his name is Kawanza Beatty. Um, uh, his name is K-A-W-A-N-Z-A. Last name is B-E-A-T-Y. Um, just to give a brief little synopsis about him, he was he was a he was a a very loving and caring individual. Um, someone that would give the give the shirt off your back if it meant for you to be happy. Um, mm-hmm. uh, a young man who had a bright future. Um, just taking it taken away far too soon you know
0: I'm so glad you were able to talk to me and I'm so honored to be able to hear your story and I can't wait for other people to hear it and to know who your son was
1: indeed indeed if I if if my thing is this if I could reach if I could help anyone especially going through something like a tumultuous time like that if 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 one if one person is affected and can be reached by that you know I think I can call it a mission complete for both of us.
0: Yeah, my favorite quote is if I'm only heard by one, then my purpose in this life is done. And that's what Indeed. I live by.
1: I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Well,
0: I'm so glad we got to meet through this. And I hope we get to talk again soon. And good luck with the podcast. If there's any social media you want to plug for the people, you're welcome to.
1: Oh, thank you. I think you're at it. So if you guys want to reach me on any type of social media platform, you can reach me on Facebook. Uh, my my basically my Facebook my Facebook page is just is the same as my first and last name, Frederick Beatty. If you guys want to reach me on Instagram, my Instagram um my Instagram name is Mr. Beatty. So if you want to reach out to me on Instagram, that you can reach reach out to me on that. Um, I have a Twitter page. If you want to reach me out from there, it's author it's FL, author F L Beatty. And if anyone is interested in wanting to become or become on a podcast as an author or any or or any type or any type of subject that you want to talk about, you guys can hit us up at um at Trailblazers Radio. And that's Trailblazers spelled with a Z at gmail.com. And I and I plan I guarantee that we'll and we'll get we'll get in co- contact with you within 24 hours.
0: Fantastic. And I'll have all the links in the description for this episode so people can just click on it. Thank you again, Frederick. It was really good to talk to you.
1: Pleasure, the pleasure is all mine. Thank you for having me on this area. Thank you so much for having me on your platform.
0: That was my conversation with Frederick Beatty. Thank you again to Frederick for opening up to me, sharing your story, and telling me about your son, Kawanza Beattie, whose life was cut short at 23 years old. I know that his life and his story will continue to live on through you and the people that knew him. Your son's life mattered, and I hope that after hearing this episode, people will remember his name. I hope this conversation will encourage those listening to have conversations with folks that might not see things the same way you do, or to have that uncomfortable dialogue with yourself. I know that personally, I have a lot of anxiety with confrontation, but I'm taking the steps to move forward in these types of conversations and I encourage you to do the same. And if you're not ready, don't think it's the only thing you can do. There are other ways you can play a role. You just have to do the work for yourself to find out what you can do. If you want to learn more about Frederick, or his show, Trailblazers Radio, you can follow him on Facebook, at Frederick Beattie. Links to all of his social media will be in the description box for this episode. As always... I'd love if you subscribe to the podcast. Bonus points if you rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. You can listen to the show wherever you get podcasts, and you can also stream every episode on anxiousafshow.com. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at anxiousafshow, and you can email us at anxiousafshow at gmail.com. This episode was edited and mixed by Angelique Ibera. Production assistance from Matt Laurie. Music by Garrett Rose. His work can be found on his website, garretrose.com. And I'm your host on this anxiety roller coaster, Sarah Carlin. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.